So do turn with me to John chapter 4. And let me pray. Father, please help us now as we look at your words. We pray that you would help us to see what these words mean for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is at work in our lives today to help us to discern what you're saying here. And you do that now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. First, I was afraid. I was petrified. Kept thinking I would never live without you by my side. Those are the opening lines of uh, you know, maybe the 1978 disco classic, which is I Will Survive, and it is by Gloria Gaynor. It's an anthem of late 20th century feminism, and of course, uh, talks about one woman's discovery of personal strength following a messy and devastating end of a relationship. And in the late 1970s, uh, Gloria Gaynor was being a very pessimistic lifestyle. By drinking drugs. In an interview, she said this I came to a place where I found I had everything I ever wanted as far as material possessions were concerned, but I still wasn't fulfilled. I began a quest for what makes a person fulfilled when they seemingly have everything. And that quest led her in 1982 to find faith in Jesus Christ. She became a Christian and her life changed dramatically, and she still trusts in Jesus today. Now, if the woman at the well in John chapter 4 had somehow been alive in 1978, she would probably have felt some sort of resonance with that song. Uh, she is a survivor. We hear in the uh, in John chapter 4, about she, she'd been married five times, and she's now with a sick man. Now, John and Jesus are silent about the extent of her personal guilt with respect to those failed relationships. She may well be a victim as much as a sort of serial monogamist, whatever the, the right term is, but she is certainly an outsider. Why else would she go to a well to draw water in the middle of the day and it's boring hot? If not to avoid social interaction with her neighbours who would prefer to go that when it was cooler. But by the end of the day, rather like Gloria Gaynor, she's begun a completely new life. She's very different from Nicodemus, who we met last week. Uh, for a start, she doesn't even get named, she's anonymous. Whereas Nicodemus was a, a member of the religious establishment. She's at the opposite end of the social scale. She is a Samaritan. The conversation with Nicodemus was all about how you enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. Now in chapter 4, the thought turns to who enter the kingdom of God. And this extended conversation between Jesus and his nameless woman shows us two main things about Jesus that we need to see. So here's the first one. Jesus has come to give us what we are looking for. Jesus has come to give us what we're looking for. I, I love the details that we get in this account from John the Gospel writer. He, uh, Jesus is travelling through Samaria, the, the, the tribes of Israel, the Spirit of the southern tribes after the kingdom of Solomon. And he comes to a well, which John notes is Jacob. 
spring of water welling up to eternal life. In chapter 7, Jesus talks about living water again, and John comments that he needs the gift of the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is saying is that he's come to give us what we didn't even realise that we need. And that's why he then asked her to go and fetch her husband. Of course, he knows her situation, but he's gently putting his finger on the nub of the issue. The woman's thirst is a picture about how she's been searching for happiness and fulfillment, and she's been through five marriages as she's trying to do this. And it's not as if she's unusual in this. Not, not, all, not all of us have been married five times, but all of us in different ways naturally look to quench our thirst in different ways. So we you know, think, thirst, my thirst will be quenched when I pass my exams. Or you know, then I'm, I'm ready for the next stage of my or if I can just get into the team, or I can just get a first class degree, or I can just land a promotion, and just do that, then I will be satisfied. Everything will be okay. Or if I can just find the right man, the right woman, then, then I'll be satisfied. Or if I can just get a pay rise, I'm just get a little bit more money, a little bit more than I have at the just then everything will be good. Or I can just get a dream holiday, or I can immigrate to a warmer climate as attractive as I understand. Or I just took up a new hobby. I just need to pack bags for what I need to do. Just need to do that, and then my thirst will be quenched. I find that thirst quenching satisfaction that I've always been looking for. You see, all of these things that we can't go after, they're, they're like physical. First, on the one hand, it's become longing for them and we don't get them. Well, it's like being thirsty for physical water. You know, you get really thirsty, you get really in pain, you get miserable because you haven't got this thing that you're longing for. But then, when we do get that thing that we've been longing for, we're actually just satisfied for a few minutes, a few weeks, a few months, and like thirst. It sets in again. We long for more. And you see, against all of that, Jesus offers to quench our thirst permanently. Just notice that this is the opposite of, of what we often think of Jesus means. The complete opposite. See, because I think we often think the gospel goes something like this. We often think it says, you have too many desires. You need to stop desiring things. You need to curb your desires. You know, you want the perfect relationship and the perfect job and the perfect happy life and the shape you might think that takes. No, those things are bad. Stop wanting them. Then you can just put yourself together and stop wanting all those things, then you're ready to follow Jesus. I think we often, that's, that's what we think Christianity is saying. But actually, that is not what this image of living water is about. It's not that our appetite for life is far too large, we need to kind of tone down the appetite. 
the Spirit and we read the truth. Verse 24. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. God Himself is Spirit, as we said. God is Spirit. And, and we're not, we're creatures. Well, how then can we know this God who made us? We need the Holy Spirit so that we can know God who is Spirit. And then we need the truth, the truth about God so that we can know Him and worship Him. See, all relationships are based on truth. See, I know that Sue, my wife, is, is not a fan of colour. But I, I know that if I want to treat her to a nice evening, I don't book a table at the curry house. There are other times when we might. If, if, if the game is to kind of give her an evening she's going to enjoy, it won't be in the curry house, my Stick with Italian food and let her that's what she will enjoy. In a similar way, Jesus is saying, if you want to worship God, you need to do it on his terms, not on yours. You see? So the truth in the truth matters. Knowing what is true about God matters, so we can't do it on his terms, not just kind of make it up as if you know I might think, oh, I like to think that Sue is his character, so I'm just going to do it my we do that with God, we want to worship him in truth, as Jesus puts it here. And then further, verse 25, he's the Messiah. So if you want to worship God, you need to listen to Jesus. The thing is, everyone worships something or someone. Everyone is a worshiper. Atheism isn't an absence of belief or faith or worship. It's simply a following someone or something other than God, building your life on some other foundation of God. God's materialism, God's happiness, career success, whatever. They're all kind of gods that drive our lives and demand our worship and attention. So Jesus doesn't just come to give us what we're looking for, he's come to restore us to what we were created for, which is to know and worship not God's world hands, but the God who made us, and we worship Him through Jesus. That is why coming to Jesus for living water isn't just a take it or leave it optional extra for life. It's living life as it is meant to be lived. The reading then finishes with two pictures of what this looks like. And they both involve telling others about Jesus. First, there is the woman. Look at how this one conversation with Jesus has changed her. She goes from being a self isolating moment of the world in the middle of the day to going back to the town to tell everyone that she sees about this Jesus who told her everything she ever did. The result, verse 39, that many Samaritans put their faith in her. And then, meanwhile, a little bit from verses 27 to 38, with Jesus speaking to his followers, not now about water, but about food. And actually, it's a very similar conversation if you look to the one he has with the woman. Jesus needs food, the followers want him to eat, 
eats, he says, no, I've got food that you know nothing about. Okay, well, what? Someone called him food? What's going on here? No, he's not talking about physical food. Verse 34, my food is serving God and doing his work. Well, he's now work. Well, it's harvest time, and the time to harvest is now, verse 35, it's time to bring in the important to follow Jesus. So if you are following Jesus, you're a Christian, I don't know if you find speaking to others about Jesus is sometimes difficult. But what this shows us is that effective evangelism, and talking about to others about Jesus in an effective way, that flows from true worship. Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, he says, out of the heart, the man speaks. She's no surprise then, if our hearts are still messing around with quenching our thirst in those short-term, ineffective ways of living for now, and living for comfort, and living for pleasure, living for happiness here and now. Well, when our, when our hearts are doing that, it's no wonder that we find it hard to speak about our sleep. We do, that's okay. So we just step, throw our hands up in the air and say, oh, well, that's me, I'm terrible. No. Jesus is in the business of turning the spiritually thirsty who realize that I am trying to drink ridiculous puddles of water that can never satisfy muddy puddles. And he's in the business of turning the spiritually thirsty into fountains of living water. You can then share that water bubbling up from within us with the spiritually thirsty awareness. You see? So, as always, when we do need to come back to Jesus, the living water has a lot to be there. Just remember what he means, what he's done. Let that then dry and energize us to serve and to live for him, to speak to us about him. Gloria Gaines' life changed completely when she trusted in Jesus. She wrote, As far as I'm concerned, there's no better love. Come to Jesus and find or rediscover that joy of living water that quenches with nothing.
that's that living water then wells up within us may we then share with our families, friends, our neighbours, our colleagues. May they see that water bubbling up in us and out of us.